0: This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flights Twilight Imperium. Episode 337. Arcs, Actions, and Ambitions. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter
1: Donaldson.
0: I hope, I, I know there are a few of you out there that are uh, are audio-minded people. You show up yep. in my Twitch chats and you're helpful and I would never mm-hmm. complain about you in Twitch chat because you save my butt uh, plenty of the time. But I know some of you are out there and you're listening to these episodes and you're like, why is the audio quality getting why is it slightly suffering? worse oh, yeah. every week? And I'll tell you, it's because when I look over in the corner, I notice that my bookshelf is completely empty. Yep. The room is losing all decoration Mm -hmm. there's all of my sound padding is going away and Hunter and I are increasingly recording in a more and more empty room Mm -hmm. and it's the place we where we have to record for now so just if you need a like perfect kind of distillation Uh of where the show is at right now we're slowly getting kicked out of the house yep
1: (laughs) and I want to take it to another level (laughs) our moods (laughs) worsening (laughs) This is not merely a physical problem; it is also happening mentally and emotionally. It is also becoming uh-huh. not as uh, cool. It is, it is in fact not recommended yeah. to move ever. Yeah. And turns out, I thought you know honestly, I the thing I'm regretting is I kind of feel like I probably should have just stayed put for a while <laughs> and waited and kind of let you do your thing. <laughs> and then me not because well and to be fair i thought that my me being here in arkansas would be chill in the past it's been chill yeah but the internet folks oh yeah decided to chew up their own cables (laughs) like some sort of groundhog situation (laughs) and i can't get internet at Uh the house that i am staying at yeah which as you can imagine dear listener but while you are listening to this show uh-huh. on your internet that that is a problem hard hard for this stuff to I do so if i can't get to the tube that connects us yeah this special tube that me and you meet at uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh it it has not been fun at all if the
0: conspiracy theorists uh about this show have have ever needed proof that they're wrong it's this month that that hunter and i don't have like some wonderful amount of way to just deal with these problems like no we, this is a this this for its sixth year is still a podcast we do in our little rooms mm-hmm. just the two of us doing this thing i uh, what i love is that i uh so we we have uh sold our home that's great it's good news your home our, sold. Our sold that's great we have not Acquired a new, new home. home, which means I am under now a deadline to homelessness. Oh, do you hear that clock ticking? <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone
1: else hear that?
0: Yeah, clock ticking. Yeah. Uh, I hear it tick, constantly. Talk. Yeah. Tick, tick, tock. TikTok, Mr. Matt. I just want and we're doing this so that everyone is prepared for the sudden first Space Cats hiatus. Okay. I'm not <laughs> saying it's going to happen and we're trying to avoid it, but it might not be up to
1: Hunter and I at a certain uh-huh, point. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm expecting in a horrible situation, me having to record the podcast in the woods. <laughs> And then take it like I'm shipping it, like take it somewhere to drop it off to then have it placed onto the Internet. We
0: have to we have little mobile sound recorders and we do. I think it is required that we do an episode from one of our cars Mm -hmm. before this
1: is all over. A car episode, I think, is
0: warranted. And we just like dump the file at the Leader Games offices. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) We're just like sleeping in our cars in the parking lot at the Leader Games office. And we dump, yeah, we dump the pod. We walk in 9 a.m. We, Cole, turn on your computer, take a break. I need to edit SpaceCast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Matt's going to have to do an edit in, you know, at, on the road. At a the road edit. desk or something. Yes. Yeah. good Lord. Oh, it's yeah. so funny. It's, uh, I, you know, moving is never fun and mm-hmm. it's never been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've done a lot of it over the past uh, four years. This has been the hardest one already and we're not even yeah. close to, and I'm not even doing what you're doing. Right. <laughs> I'm not even mine. <laughs> Mine is still much easier and I'm still like, and I mean, this is because I'm a little baby boy, mm-hmm. uh, but I am already uh, c- quite uh, peeved yeah. <laughs> uh, every day about the setup in the situation. Um, <sighs> so I don't know. I am now, you know, at this point where I'm at, I was hoping we were going to both kind of end up in Minneapolis Mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, I am just ready for it to be over. So let me tell you, we're we're both going to be in Minneapolis this weekend looking at spots and I am kind of just going to shake the first hand, I see, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and mean, like let's not joke around here the art of the deal did you look at me first well we've got a deal <laughs> we've got a deal and, and they're like but there's no floor and okay. I'm like I don't care as long as as long as it has internet yeah. I will stay here uh yeah, oh, good man. lord. Maybe we
0: should do some tournament updates. Go They're Plenty. They're just they're on the same tone, is God, what I would say.
1: It's all on fire right <laughs> now. It's all just it's just a giant in pile yeah. with nothing going out. It's just all <laughs> just stacking up.
0: I want to congratulate N Curry too. <laughs> For winning game number twelve of the prelims, Oh, congrats! Congratulations to the Deft Piper. Oh, who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? The Deft Piper beat previous tournament champion Jono. Oh, who would have
1: (laughs) thunk? Who would have thought? Why I don't know why you're bringing that up. Like I'm supposed to be like, oh, Deft famously not good at beating good people. <laughs> you're right. And also thank you to
0: Sin League, uh, Hunter. You got to stream that game, so mm-hmm. we did get we did get one stream in. You did it from my desk while I wasn't here. Yep. Uh, and for just an update, well, well, we'll talk more about the prelims in a second. I'd also like to congratulate uh, just two winners uh from the qualifiers this week congratulations to the real philip and husky 707 uh two qualifiers in a weekend is not enough which oh yeah is why we have mm-hmm. stuff to talk about oh yeah we're
1: about to have a quick <laughs> sit down okay uh, because uh we don't have time for this all right and <laughs> i don't have time to deal with you right now all right we gotta start uh we gotta start shaping up uh, the qualifiers end March first. We have said yeah. that in the past. Yeah. That has not changed, yes. people. Right. Uh, so if you're trying to get in, if you're trying to qualify, yeah. uh, you have like three weekends. Yeah. You
0: only have three three weekends. weekends. Yeah. Because really, it's like the 29th, like leap days, the end. Like I, I, I don't know. Like if there's, I don't know what the wiggle room. Nope. On is. Nope.
1: There is no wiggle room. I know. Room. There's none. I don't Matt? know. what time.
0: New, New Zealand time zone march first you don't get to play a game anymore all right Ooh, i'll go i mean i'm
1: saying that's the first one right sure, the, they're the sure. first ones
0: who get to or whoever it is
1: uh so regardless i, I mean i'll go even i'll go weirder yeah when it's march first for me it's march first for everybody <laughs> all right it's um, a hunter-centric uh, like wherever you zone. are at that wherever moment too. i am <laughs> i'm <having> gonna <laughs> be in portland for the weekend or <laughs> when something i experience march first <laughs> yeah you are all done
0: yeah Uh, we'll, we'll work out like how many games end up actually finishing at that. There's about, it's a little less than 40 at this point Mm -hmm. uh, that need to be played. Um so you know we're we are getting closer but it really doesn't look like we will cross the finish line uh yep. and as we said it's
1: like we're gonna be a little shy
0: we'll be a little bit shy of the 216 mark we needed we won't be wildly shy though which is good which yep. means we really just mm-hmm. have to sort of like find a handful of names mm-hmm. that are going to get a buy and that's the way we just have to do it because yep. there's no other way to do it uh, mm-hmm. in this situation and hunter and i have a system of how we're going to do it and uh it this whole thing is imperfect, regardless. Yep. So you know, I we don't need to hear a whole lot of wild, you know, uh, feedback about this. We just kind of have to get butts and seats for the prelims right. to, to finish things off. So uh, the way we are going to go about it is uh after march 1st depending on how many seats left we will start hitting up our legacy weird bears which is what we kind of call all weird bears of all time as opposed to uh active Uh, we'll hit up legacy weird bears to see how many slots we can fill with them if we have to go down to like the next rung of Patreon supporters. Mm -hmm. We'll be working our way down uh from top to bottom just to fill in those last few seats of people who can find availability. The other thing I would say within that is it's not really even necessarily just handing the seat to these people. Yeah. It's saying you all kind of have access to prelims games that are trying to schedule. I have plenty of people that are in time zones in the prelims where it's like, we can only get like four people to get one of these games. Mm -hmm. And if you're a weird bear who can can do fit that. into one of those, you get the buy. Right. Like, I need I need availability uh, right. buy-arounds is, is the situation we're in at this point. So the, the priority will be, we might be shy of 216, and the people that get in are the ones that are our heroes to help us finish, schedule out games for the prelims. Mm-hmm. Um On the prelims note, as Hunter and I have been much maligning, our schedule and our uh, home and our base of operations, and our, 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 our life situation is not conducive to streaming the prelims anymore and we had the dream and the goal to stream uh like all of the prelims games that was long before we knew what 2024 was going to look Mm -hmm. like for us so we last year the prelims were an open call to just get the games done and if you can stream them cool we love you thank you for doing that and i think we are now opening that up uh for the prelims as well uh i'll be putting out availability forms so that people can have assistance in finding games over the coming weeks Uh, but the intent is to finish the prelims still within its like slated what is it, 13 week or 12 week schedule? Right. Know, we want it done before the end of March. Semis should still start on time for April. Uh, and we're gonna leave it a little bit more open. That means if four prelims happen one weekend, great. If two happen the next like we're gonna become pretty flexible, except for trying to maintain we're technically one prelim behind of a three per weekend schedule. Right. So I at the very least want to catch up to that. But we're gonna just open it up and that means even too if prelims are overlapping. It's fine. I would rather get these prelims played like you all right. want to play in your games. So we are not really we, we have, we're trying to center it around streaming schedules, but given the upheaval that's just not doable at this right. point and so the priority should be on the players and should be on you all getting your games done so we we are going to switch the prelims to that format so people who love watching prelims games you know hopefully we'll get as many as we can recorded and still put on like youtube and and you know hopefully streamers are available to to broadcast those games but it is going to be difficult for us to do it over here on the space cats channel because yeah. uh soon enough we won't have places we live in uh anymore right. for a little there will be a really weird chunk of time there for us so
1: yeah i mean if matt doesn't find a place to live it that i don't <laughs> need to go
0: into detail it's think about not that. great
1: i don't even want to think about <laughs> yeah. that right now it's, it's it super is super so, weird what we'll have to do okay. it is so bad <laughs> um so yeah it's uh i don't know it's it this is you're also catching us at a time where we have the most question marks yeah Um, and so I really just want to, I want to thank everyone for being patient with us through this time. And if you're not patient, I'm not thanking you. And if you have some sort of issue with any of the things that we're describing, you can go to a tree in China with a hole in it and you can whisper into the hole in that tree, your thoughts. Okay and
0: some <laughs> some force in the universe will hear your call it, yes. it will deal with it okay mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Y- you will be heard yes. by
1: the tree spirits yes <laughs> i am in the mood for hate right now uh is how i'm feeling uh that was an excellent reference that was a really right good there. reference if it is have- not
0: 2046 yet but 2024 <laughs> is close enough <laughs> You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. get to our fun episode at hand, though, because actually, we, we, I hope we don't sound like bummers. We're This is hilarious to us, and we know mm-hmm. we're going to be okay. It's not like we're actually like in trouble. Oh, everything's going to be chill We're just going to have a super weird month. It's
1: it's <laughs> that type of thing where it's like, this is going to be okay, but where we are at now is I think we're at the crest of the hill <laughs> of difficulty yes. and of, of of chaos. Yes right like there is going to be the difficult day where uh the move like just lugging stuff around is going to start happening and that part sucks with the moving yeah but this is the point where it's like Lots of just questions. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And that's, and questions are not very fun. Nobody likes questions. Everybody likes answers. Nobody likes questions. Uh, But we've been excited to
0: return to the topic of ARCs by Leader Games. Uh, We've been digging in a little bit more here and there. Uh, Something we want to do, I don't know how much we've talked about it, but a a goal of ours is that we'll eventually do some leader guides Mm -hmm. uh, for ARCs. And the leaders are a, a component of base game ARCs. Uh, they add some asymmetry to the standard base game. This is not the campaign part of the game that we're actually the most excited for. Right. We're kind of treating it like we're going to do a bunch of base game coverage so that we can be done with it. And then the rest of our lives we'll be thinking about Campaign arcs yes. uh, to a pretty high degree, uh, but you know, there's there's a lot to learn about base game arcs, And it is absolutely worth the time of exploring today is almost even before that stuff We have mm-hmm. uh, this is like a component guide if you can think about our episodes about just like Various component objectives in TI or about exploration in TI. This is one of those four arcs uh, And we wanted to cover actions and ambitions
1: yes So if you don't have a rudimentary understanding of arcs in general, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't looked at it, if you haven't uh, listened to our prior episode, Mm -hmm. I'd recommend that you brief yourself a little bit, that you get some sort of feel for what we're talking about. I think one of the reasons that me and Matt are really excited about covering arcs is that we're kind of getting in on the ground floor Mm -hmm. on it, um, which means I want to make sure that everyone that's listening to us talk about this game has at least the vaguest idea yeah. of what we might be talking about we're we're going to be really elementary going into this mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the basics we're going to talk about actions yeah we're going to talk about ambitions which is how you score right uh points which in in arcs you don't you do not score points you score power right okay that's a big one to go mm-hmm, by, you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm, right now it's not mm-hmm. there's no points yeah, it's power this time, which sounds more adult <laughs> every time someone asks me, like, so how do you win a game of Twilight Imperium? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, you have to get 10 points. They kind of look at me funny because I just got done telling them that, like, it's this complicated uh-huh. space game uh-huh. with uh-huh. politics and trade. And then they're like, oh, how do you win it? Uh, 10 points. Just 10. Just, just get the 10.
0: You, can- can you-, you have 10 fingers. That's the amount of the game that exists. Just 10,
1: and then you're the best boy, and you get to be the leader of the class.
0: I am the eldest boy. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about uh, how actions work then within the scope of the game. We did a learn to uh, learn arcs, which is not a learn to play. This is almost the closest we'll have to like a learn to play. We are not the place that you watch a video to learn an excellent, you know, rule book in video format. That's not really what we're doing. This ain't watch it
1: played. Okay? Mm -mm. No. But this this is cooler. This is more like listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This this is more watch it played is more like do you need to learn the board game Uh right now? We're kind of more like we're like the sleep with me version of that (laughs) where you kind of just put us on because you're trying to get immersed in the rules, not that we are actually teaching it to you. You want to learn Spanish in your sleep. That's why you're that's why you come to us. (laughs) So uh, actions. Exist in kind of like
0: a few places in the game. Yeah. And today we are primarily focusing on the action cards the of cards. the game. So if you hear people talk about Arcs as a trick taker, there's this little action card deck of cards, mm-hmm. and you it, you do trick taking, but like winning the trick is not like the actual whole point of the game. It's just like the mechanic by which you uh, do actions, but the, the way you uh, you know do things. Um. So you don't have to think about uh, normal trick-taking games where the highest number is like the most critically important thing to get mm-hmm. or whatever. You, you, you can play around in the system, but we're not getting into that strategy so much today. Today, we're trying to just focus on what is on these cards, what, which of the slew of actions does each card grant you access to, and what are the implications of those actions broadly yes. in the strategy. Um, and there's a lot of w- things in the game that will alter these actions, that we're not really covering yes. in depth today.
1: We're not doing a lot of exceptions today. We're kind of we're kind of starting at the basics. Yeah. We're going to talk about the actions organized by the cards themselves. So each card that you play has kind of a. Uh, a philosophy or a suggestive uh kind of action aspect to it. One of them is called administration. Yep. One of them is called construction. They're mm-hmm. almost I mean they they're they are akin to your strategy cards. It's true. Yeah. But imagine that instead of the strategy card delivering you a single thing that you must specifically do, mm-hmm. it gives you a slight at the tiniest little buffet yeah. of some options. And right. these options are not distinct to one card sometimes an action appears on multiple cards yeah in fact most of the actions appear on multiple right. cards right so you're kind of always sort of throwing down a little dinner plate <laughs> and saying i might have i might have a tax uh-huh. and a repair you know i might i might build and repair yeah. i might move and battle right you know yeah and
0: what will be important to note in this is the actions that are only accessible on one card. And that's mm-hmm. what makes that card kind of feel unique yes. or important, yes, important yes. in various ways. My favorite piece, I'll, I'll lead with this. My favorite piece of pre we got just about actions and ambitions and everything uh, was from Turmoil Bird, who, Turmoil Bird, if you're on like the Woodland Warriors Discord, you've seen uh, their name a lot because uh, Turmoil Bird is talking about this game all the time uh, one of the very very good I would say strategic experts out there and I just liked that and, and I'm going to be trying to bring this up throughout the episode uh, they laid out all of the actions in sort of two broad categories mm-hmm. there's the prep right. and the payoff right. and every action is either a prep or a payoff and you can think of them in in exactly those terms and, and they're not always like directly linked to each other but they are some form of payoff to something you've been doing in the game and i just like having that in people's mind of like when you're doing an action you're either prepping or paying off something Mm -hmm. that you've been doing throughout the rest of the game
1: yes and i would say like if there is anything that's really distinct about arcs that i feel like relates to a lot of leader games other projects is this idea of the action economy having a lot of variance to it yeah. There's there is a uh, sort of bad and good way to manage your action economy, mm-hmm. and as you get better at the game, you get better at sort of circumventing the action economy right. itself, finding uh, your bonus actions, or expanding beyond the mere need to play cards. <laughs> oh yeah, if I'm having a good game of Arcs, I'm saying, "Oh, I got a bad hand. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I do not merely need these these pitiful cards." Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but today we're talking about just the card so let's get into it we're going to start with all of the actions available on the administration Mm -hmm. card we're going to start with tax because i think this is a fun one it is for the sort of economy heads out there and it's going to sort of illustrate some of the more interesting interactions uh, in arcs so in arcs You've really got two major types of pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got your ships that go bang bang and get hurt, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and then you've got your cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and cities kind of—they're cities and they're starports, yeah. and you can kind of guess what starports do. Um, <laughs> but taxing is something you do to a city, yeah. and whenever you execute this action, you choose uh, one of your cities or one of your rivals' cities that you control. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does control mean control in arcs means that you have more fresh ships than your rival in a system it's hilarious how quickly we could get in the weeds with anything we're already in the weeds weeds. well what does fresh mean okay fresh i'll explain later but how about right now we just think of there's fresh and then there's spoiled okay <laughs> spoiled. They're fresh and they're spoiled uh, not not the official term but i like it
0: more uh <laughs> to think of our little tap ships as oh he's spoiled we've spoiled them uh yeah our and and uh the thing about cities too is these cities exist on the planets throughout the game board in all of the different sectors and every planet has a a trait as it were a trait that applies to one of our resources yes uh so the important thing is you choose either your loyal city that you don't have to control Mm -hmm. or the rival city you do have to control and you gain one resource of that type of the planet that is on Yes. Uh, and we're not in this episode going to be covering resources like wildly in depth that's a whole extra big long bonus Mm -hmm. conversation we, we could be having but the big like the, the easiest thing to talk about with resources is broadly all of the resources give you bonus actions yes this one is to move and build this one is to uh secure a card they sure. they do those things there's kind of more to it than that but mostly you'll be taxing so that you give yourself more actions later
1: yes the economy of uh arcs is very interesting because these resources are uh it's it's a super kind of low integer game there's not a lot of resources available mm-hmm. so every time you tax it's pretty important yeah um and for now i will add that anytime you tax someone else's city right one of those other people one of their <laughs> cities uh-huh. you also capture one of their agents Mm-hmm. Agent is another piece in the game that we will talk about whenever we get to some of the other actions. But for yeah. now, just know that you capture one of those. Whenever you capture something, you put it in a little box that you have on your sheet. <laughs> that's for your captured agents, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, and it will help you uh, score one of the ambitions, yep. which is called Tyrant. Right. Uh, which is an ambition that has to do with being really mean. Basically, <laughs> there is a couple or
0: po- politically mean though. Politically, there's a meaner one, but sure. there's a we've taken a lot of hostages that game yes uh, i suppose um yeah the 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 tyrant ambition uh applies to all of the captives you gain and taxing is one of the ways you can gain captives there are others but it is kind of like the slowest way you can acquire them because you just get one each time you do it Um, you're also like we said earlier, you're taxing these resources. And I said, oh, you use these resources for actions. Also, sometimes you just hoard them. Uh, Hoarding the resources is also for three of the other ambitions all relate to just having the most of the thing. And resources aren't the only thing that apply to that. There are also cards called court cards that have uh, a symbol that applies to each of the resource types and those count to your total number. Again, we're not really covering court cards today, but that's the other reason you're taxing is to sure. acquire the goods to score the ambition that we're going to cover in the second half of the show.
1: Yes. So, one of the things that I love about ARCs is that when you acquire a resource, Uh, What does that mean? Well, Mm -hmm. you don't have just like a little bank Uh where you can just throw them all in in the bank. You sort of have like a a kind of almost vagabond style inventory in front of you. Right. You have these little spaces that you can place resources in and it's. Pretty limited yeah. at first. Yeah. You can maybe have like two resources, right. maybe three resources if you place like a city right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this sort of back and forth aspect with uh, your inventory, which is that as you build cities, you can hold more resources. Mm-hmm. Anytime you acquire a resource, you can kind of rearrange. And also, when you have a resource, it is not, strictly speaking, safe from <laughs> yeah, the other players. For sure. Uh, in that we will later talk about the piracy aspects of this game
0: yeah that's i would say the biggest truth of all of arcs is nothing is ever safe ever Yes, (laughs) none of your stuff is safe uh save for like uh two examples which are the leaders and lore cards those are like your asymmetry that gets to be yours and we're not covering those today but everything else is constantly up for grabs and that's like the difficulty of the game is is holding on to stuff when everything is constantly up for grabs um so that covers pretty much all of taxing taxing Mm -hmm. is just like i i do the pip uh we didn't really talk about the structure of action cards much uh it's very easy each action card has a number of pips on it, and that's how many of the listed actions you can do. So, on a particular administration card, if there are three pips, you could tax three times. Yes. However, there is a limitation to that, which is each city can only be taxed once per turn. Yes. So, I have three pips, but if I don't have three cities, I'm not taxing three times. Right. Uh, or three cities, not just that I control, but that, like you know. If I don't have three cities to tax, I will not be doing three taxes. I will do as many as I can probably and then fill it out with the other actions listed on this card.
1: Yeah, I think that basically covers taxing. Um, do we want to talk about repairing? It's a lot simpler. Sure. Yeah, we, lot we, started simpler. With, we started
0: with the biggest one, but it's also like the the core of the game mm-hmm. <laughs> is taxing. Like I feel like that is, it's like between taxing and battling, that's the game and everything else is like your support deck. Of <laughs> to doing those two things essentially. Uh so repairing is also on our administration card. Uh and repair is very very simple. Um if you have something that is spoiled or damaged in uh in the game parlance, you can Spoil, make it, rotten, it spoils rotten. rotten nasty, <laughs> uh, stinky. You can make it fresh. You you take it from it's only one hit point left to being killed to back up to two and importantly with ships as we referenced earlier fresh is an important term it leads to our control it's how we acquire and do things in the game so very often repairing is repairing ships to better control a system
1: yes um imagine it like this twilight imperium people all ships have sustained damage all your city pieces have sustained damage right there you go it's all got it um and
0: uh the the difference between it and ti would be Uh, It doesn't all repair at once. The only way you Mm -hmm. ever repair your stuff is through doing the repair action, which costs a pip per unit you want to do it to. So if you take a lot of hits in a a combat and you have a lot of damaged stuff, it's going to be like multiple cards Mm -hmm. worth of trying to repair to get your stuff back to full strength. It is a long, slow process to building your stuff
1: back up. Honestly... It's a lot cooler this way. The fact that in Twilight Imperium everything repairs at the end of the status phase I feel like is a huge missed opportunity Yeah, because I feel like- It would just be a lot more because you'd have to really decide whether you wanted to sustain or not. You're bringing up a beautiful point, especially in the modern
0: economies of TI where we all have like lots of money. Mm -hmm. If it was a buck to repair my stuff. There's plenty of factions that can afford that and should. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All these factions where it's like, I build a ton of dreads. Okay, well, when you damage those, it needs to cost you more later to get them back.
1: Right. Yeah, and then you would have to, a fleet would be like an ongoing investment yeah. that you're making. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that honestly is a great idea for Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Um one minor note for repair as well is that you do not need to control your city yeah. in order to repair it. That's not something I think I think most players that approach arcs would probably just not clean. assume that they yeah. need to control stuff. But I think something about coming from either other leader games or Twilight Imperium, it felt necessary to point sure. that out to people. Yeah,
0: there's always these little contingencies about rule or control or whatever it is yes. throughout all these games where you're just always checking yourself on what <laughs> is and isn't allowed based on what I have. Right, And this game makes it a little... I mean, more complicated because controlling is just not the number of plastic, right? right. Or, or wood in Leader Games' case. It is fresh wood. And then you have yes. to dis, you have to designate that and keep an eye on how you're orienting the pieces so that people can know which is fresh and which isn't because that's how you actually count control. It's It's not as quick to look at the board state and know exactly what's going on. It's worth noting in all of this too, control applies to having exactly the most. Yes. If you are tied with somebody nobody neither controls. of you have the most right. and so thus nobody controls that space you have to actually beat your opponent in number of stuff to start taxing their cities or whatever it may be
1: it's true i love that repair is pretty much like very simple yeah. that it is straight up just repair yes however Fix many things
0: it's the perfect thing to tack on like we said earlier oh i only have like one city i can actually tax right now i do yep. a tax that other pip well, okay, fine. I, I should repair the ship. Let's just do that. Let's let's get that one out of the way or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, what's worse is when you have everything fresh and you have nothing else to do, and then you're left with the last action right. on the administration card, which is influence. Uh, and influence is a good thing in the game, but it always feels like... <sighs> I guess I'll influence, I I don't know what else to do, so I'll just, I'll do some influencing, because I've run out of, I've run out of pips, I've run out of fresh ships, and Mm -hmm. I've run out of uh, things I can legally tax, so I better throw some influence down. Oh, Uh, you're
1: right, because the court deck is just so bad. It's just like, not important at all. It's really bad.
0: That's the hard thing to learn, is, like, where where is the valuable place to put your influence, especially once, like, players start getting good at it, and you, like... Let's talk about influence. So the court deck, it exists. It's three or four cards sitting off to the side of the board. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can think of arcs happening in really like two systems, right? There's the ships on the map game you're playing. Right. And there's this court deck that is its own kind of area control. Yes. And your way of accessing the area control of the court deck is by doing the influence action to take one of your agents that we referenced earlier (gasps) agents they're back (laughs) (laughs) and you put one agent on a card in the court uh and it's as simple as that that's why it feels like a little kind of almost throwaway action because you're not Mm -hmm. really doing anything else but this is a prep action right similar repair is also a prep uh tax i didn't say it before but tax is a payoff tax is finally gaining the things i've been investing in but repair and influence are those prep steps so you just have to do them so that you can have the payoff later
1: one thing that I think is interesting about influence is that there isn't uh, there are ways to spend resources in order to get influence. Yeah. Um, but there is no one resource that is dedicated to influence in particular. Right. So you really do end up depending on this action yeah. in order to get your influence in the court deck. Right. Um, the court deck is a series of cards that just have interesting abilities on them. They add a lot of asymmetry. They're almost like playing a little bit of a Franken game uh-huh. <laughs> while you're in the middle of a game of Twilight Imperium. Right. Um, because you're acquiring these abilities and some of them can be pretty, pretty game shaking. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, influence is how you uh stake your claim on these court cards but it's not exactly the moment you obtain it you want if you want a card you need to have the most agents on it but the action to take that card is a separate action that we'll describe in just a little bit
0: yeah i mean if anything it feels like influencing and it's it's counterpart securing uh is the first like real sort of beauty you see in arcs where you're like when you note that influence is on two cards it's on this one administration and it's on another one mm-hmm. neither of those cards have our secure action yes uh which means you never ever get to just like do both right outside of so there's there are ways to do it of course there's, there's ways there's, to do it. there's everything. ways to do everything but but within the cards themselves you can't just you know do an influence and immediately secure that card um so it's, it's notable to me that you, you have to do all of this setup. That's why it feels like a prep step. You've got to get this card so that then next hand, you can play your card that lets you secure the thing or, or spend your resource or whatever it might be to secure the card. Uh, so I, I think influence is relatively simple. The other thing to note here is everything you're influencing, it's going on a court card. If somebody starts challenging you, for a court card and they're also influencing it and you both have agents on that card whoever eventually wins this little battle you two are doing right those are more captives a la what we did with tax we gained one but yeah. this can be a big spike in oh, <laughs> the yeah. worst thing new players do in arcs is two of us get really embroiled in putting like five agents on this card and really all we're doing is burning way too much of our action economy on something that can be stolen from either of us once we've won it anyways uh but it is notable to to remember that every time you're influencing you're potentially putting a captive out there for someone to acquire right um so you're trying to get the card but if you're gonna lose you're gonna lose that agent to to their cause of trying to score an ambition
1: yeah it's it is a the best situation for influence is that you are going to be the first player right next uh hand right or Sorry. Next. Next Next turn. Yeah. Next action. Yeah. Um, Because you do want to close that gap between you influencing and you securing Mm -hmm. as much as possible because, yeah, you don't want to give up uh, agents to capture. This is why you see a lot of people uh, play. And I don't know if this is exactly the right way to approach the game, but it does seem to be very common to just kind of play the field to put to to spread them out because if uh, if I've put my one agent on a court deck card and nobody else has put yep. any agents there, yep. then I, that could be one of the ones I pick yeah. up, bud. You know, absolutely. I, I if I could duel somebody else for eventually having it, but if I'm going to lose that fight and I've just wasted a bunch of uh, a bunch of turns, absolutely, and then also that player now has uh, yeah. power scoring abilities, right. you know,
0: yeah, it's it's a dangerous uh, little struggle to get yourselves into, and I heavily encourage people to just avoid it. Once someone gets like two down, just just walk away unless you have like the exact tactic that's gonna let you do and steal it like in very 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 quick uninterrupted succession yes Um, but that wraps up the administration card um it is it feels like um the most just like busy work which is why Mm -hmm. it's aptly named administration nothing you're doing in it is uh the really like uh, capital E entanglement of the game right. it's not the battle it's you know it's not the fighting and it's it's not the acquiring of like the most important stuff mm-hmm. it's the slower of the cards I would say um, I wanted to note as we said at top uh, influence and repair are actions that are both available on other cards as well right so tax is our most important action for administration Absolutely. Uh, when you're playing an administration card you should at least look at tax opportunities first because right. this is your only chance to do this the other things can technically be done later if they need to They're your backup actions for your administration card
1: yes also taxing in general is good because getting access to resources is the way that we sort of break outside the bounds Of the trick-taking game and do actions that we need to do on our terms and not just because we got dealt the right cards in order to do those actions Yeah,
0: my worst games have been where I undervalued that aspect of it 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 is critically important to get cities out or gain control of other people's cities and get the taxing work done Mm -hmm. (laughs) you need to acquire resources to have any sort of stable action economy later in the game
1: yeah I can't wait to talk about resources in depth because it is the way they've structured in arcs it's sort of a gold rush yeah <laughs> it's sort of a first person there kind of stakes their claim and uh-huh. is like all right i kind of got this resource locked in right
0: here. you know what i mean uh next up is our aggression card this is actually like the doozy of the cards and every time aggression gets played as a card everyone goes oh Okay, well, (laughs) it's going to be around then that is as the lead card. We didn't talk uh, much and we could hear talk more in depth about what it means to be the lead card versus the following cards. We talked about it in our first uh, Mm -hmm. learn to learn episode a bit, but it's critically important what card is played first because then everybody at the table gains access to the actions on that card. They can always pivot and play one of their own cards for its actions but they will only be doing a single action from that no right. matter what um so the worst thing is playing a low number i mean i say worst it's it's good but you play the lowest number of this particular card and everyone's going to get to follow it and they get to surpass it doing also a bunch of actions that you are doing sometimes people will have better plays than you even though you did like considerably more actions than them only because you've given them access to an action they weren't going to necessarily have access to or whatever um and i feel like i feel that the most with aggression giving people access to battling is like a huge landmark of every chapter Mm -hmm. essentially um and the first action on it is of course battle uh so battling we could talk at length about it uh we, we we certainly will but Battling is uh, when you're going to roll the good dice, (laughs) the very, very, very good dice of arcs. You choose your system that has any number of loyal ships and you choose a defender in that system. There can be more than one people, but you're only attacking one person at a time. So based on the number of ships that you're attacking with, that's when you collect your dice pool and uh we can talk about the three types of dice that you have access to but the point being you're collecting up to the number of ships you have in the various styles of dices you might be going after
1: yeah it's my favorite i mean i feel like i've talked about it before on other episodes my favorite uh like first thing with arcs is building this (laughs) dice pool Uh it feels it feels really good from a player perspective because it's almost like you're gonna you're gonna have a fight, yep. and you look at all your ships, and you you're like, all right, everybody get in here, and <laughs> then you sit down, and you have this little huddle, and uh-huh. you're like, all right, you're doing assault, uh-huh. you're doing skirmish, uh, you two are on raid duty, <laughs> and then you roll the dice, yeah. and it just kind of ha- it it's such a minor thing, but it like brings out this kind of level yep. of of like individualized strategy. I yeah. always imagine, and this is dumb, what I'm about to say. I'm 34. Uh, <laughs> I imagine which ships are doing which dice. Like the dice have to do with, Uh and I mean, it's, I've never really had that many comments where there's like a whole bunch of ships, maybe Uh like seven at most. But it's so it's pretty easy to do. Sure, but it's just fun, kind of yeah. like. And this is I don't know if you ever watched me stream uh, Twilight Imperium, but I'm very much like I kind of play with my toys a little bit, and I like <laughs> to have everything in a particular order. And I ha- do that in arcs yeah, as well. Definitely. And I the I guarantee you the one that I choose to assign the aggression dice to is like setting away from the other Mm -hmm. two you know what i mean like there's little formations that i'm making up in my head because i'm really dumb and now it's too late Mm -hmm. to turn back Mm -hmm. the other thing i'll say if
0: we're talking about dumb things is at the center of the map there's a big little logo in the middle that says arcs and it looks like almost like a like a like a top-down view of a tree trunk like it's just this kind of spiraling out little thing it's really Mm -hmm. pretty but there's nothing going on there that is the canonical dice rolling zone. Yes, just that's so where we're the dice get clear. Yeah, this yeah. Is, this is where we roll the I thought that was dice. by design. Is it, that not? It, I mean, I don't know. And I think in TTS people get weirder. And in the physical space, it's so much easier to be like, well, yeah, that's of course where I would roll the dice. Uh-huh. But in TTS, we just like find some big open spot on the table. I hate that. I no. hate it so much. No, roll no, no. them in the middle of the map. Roll please. them in the middle. Um. So let's talk about the three dice. We won't go into them. I mean, we could just like sit here and talk about the odds of a d6 a bunch nope, or whatever. Not but- doing it. Uh,
1: refuse i'll leave if you want to do that by yourself <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to talk about the odds but to get into
0: the style the of the dice uh the skirmish dice uh is for doing just a little bit of damage at no risk this is the only one i will give the odds on it's 50 chance to hit 50 yep. 50 chance to miss a single hit per per like landing so each die can get one hit and it might 50 percent chance hit Or it might not.
1: I want to talk to you Twilight Imperium heads real quick because I just want to call out something obvious, but maybe this isn't clicking with you yet. Because uh, now that we've explained the skirmish die, you may have just realized this. When battle happens in arcs, it's just the attacking player that's really doing anything. They roll dice. The defender just kind of sits and sees what happens, you know? So like the fact that, you know, I bring in a whole fleet and I decide to go all skirmish i'm dealing damage Mm -hmm. or not and Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that's a concern here which is kind it's different you you sort of as the attacker decide how much risk you are comfortable with
0: and the risk you can take on is with the assault dice these are the red dice they have pips on them for scoring hits but they also have two other important symbols one is little fires And those fires are your fires that you need to put out. Ah, Uh, you take damage upon yourself. Uh, You you with per fire symbol, you just have to deal some damage. Right. the, The other important thing to know, as Hunter was just describing, the attacker is the only person making any decisions here. Right. So for each fire pip, you're probably just trying to. Uh, Sustain damage as it were on each thing you're damaging mm-hmm. each ship you want to keep as many fresh things as you can maybe there's plenty maybe. of reasons yeah. not it, to and it, that's it gets, the beauty it's <laughs> like, different it, now. it gets weird this is not twilight of <laughs> yeah.
1: there are times when you're like you know, I may as well just kill that guy because yeah. I am just going to... It's e- Sometimes it's them. easier to yeah. rebuild a ship right. than it would be to repair yeah, a
0: shield. Yeah, it's true. Um, so that's the fire pip. The other way you can take damage is if you there's a reticle on some of the faces of the dice, and this is called an intercept. Intercept, you have to factor in the risk of what you are fighting. So the fire pips is just like, I'm rolling a chance to, to hit myself, right? The reticle... Uh, The intercept is all of the fresh defending ships will score a hit for the intercept. And it's not per intercept. As long as an intercept is rolled, all of them will return fire. Essentially. The question is, did you get the jump on these ships and just, do a bunch of damage, or did they intercept you ahead mm-hmm. of time, catch you coming, and get to fire back a little yeah. bit? Um, so the intercept is the I would say much bigger risk of rolling the assault die. You can usually look at the flame pips and be like, Yeah, I mean, I'll, I might take a couple hits, but if you're going into a fight with four fresh ships, you're probably not going to do any assault dice because those odds got way worse. Yes. Of how much damage you're going to take?
1: It also means, and I love this aspect of it too, when a fleet is has taken a lot of damage but they're not yet destroyed uh-huh. there's this aspect of oh well so what there's five ships over there they've all taken hits yeah yeah we can kind they're of not just real go. <laughs> yeah, they're not real i can go mop them up yeah, yeah which is kind of a cool i don't know it's just like there's all these little because we've kept the integers small yeah there's all these little like I think kind of cuter story things yeah. that happen. Yeah. Huge with swings
0: arcs. in the combat, which yes. I think Cole is a big oath was the same way for yes. sure. Where it's just like, Oh my gosh, this is a, such a major swing. <laughs> the single combat just decided. I, I like this system actions. though a little better than I do oath too.
1: systems because uh, there's stuff for me to chew on. Yeah. And with oath. I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> it was too I'll big. just be yeah. frank about it. <laughs> I was never smart enough to fully understand uh-huh. the uh-huh. oath dice.
0: Um, so the last die is our little orange or gold die. It is the raid die. And honestly... It's the most interesting one by yeah. by a long shot because this is piracy. This is how we steal the stuff we keep referencing. Uh, so court cards and resource slots uh, where you're putting your resources have little keys above them. Mm-hmm. And per key is how people steal stuff. The less keys, the easier it is to steal. Uh, so the way raid dice work is you have um, slightly altered hit pips where they actually Skip the ships and go straight down to the buildings. So you'll just be dealing damage to buildings directly
1: So so canonically what's happening there is when you when you are raiding you are not raiding the other players ships You are raiding their cities. Mm -hmm. So you have to be in a system where there are rival cities To even unless Mm -hmm. and this is I think necessary for campaign in addition to just this is a good rule Unless they have no cities, which we've all been there (laughs) And then you can, in fact, raid the ships. The right. idea being that, I guess, because they have no cities, they must be keeping all this their stuff They're little on the nomads. Ships. Keeping Where else all would their stuff? they keep yeah, it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's
0: the damage you can deal. The big threat here being, uh, and we won't get in depth on it, but if you kill cities, that's generally pretty bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't necessarily want to kill cities. Sometimes you do, but it comes at great loss to yourself or it can. Yeah. Um, you need to prep to uh kill a city you need to know that it's an option and and potentially avert that risk um the other thing you do is you can roll intercepts with raid dice so you can be attacked back at uh, but importantly you can just straight up roll keys and per key that you get is how many keys you can steal from them so if you Mm -hmm. get four keys you can steal their resource in their three key slot and a card that's only got a one key cost to it. You can steal four keys worth of stuff. Those are just yours now. They go into your supply. Mm-hmm. They go into your area, They wherever you want. Uh, this happens constantly. Uh, all the players are always raiding each other for all the stuff that is available everywhere. Yep. So this happens a lot in yep. arcs.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and, and so there's the three dice. And the fact that you can build a pool however you want mm-hmm. is the decision that you will be mulling over. It yeah. is the analysis paralysis moment yeah. of being like, okay, I'm gonna do two skirmishes. <laughs> oh, but if I do, okay, but if all those raids come up intercept, uh-huh. then I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that'll be the thing that uh, that you think about. Also, when you kill stuff in uh, in arcs, it goes in a little box mm-hmm. that you get on your, your player sheet. Um and it helps you it's it's actually literally called your trophy box. Yep. Um which is wow, how okay super great. <laughs> uh, and that is how you score the warlord yep. ambition. Yeah, uh, which so, we will talk so about. So we referenced
0: second earlier the tyrant getting agents. That's the nicer version of holding hostages. This isn't hostages, this is we've claimed their empty ships for our own. We're holding on to them. Um and what's notable too is in battle. When you kill stuff, because it goes to these trophies boxes, this is stuff that doesn't return to people's supply, Mm -mm. sometimes until much later. Oh, yeah. So you can, like, attack somebody so much that they have, like, not enough to rebuild in their supply, and they're just sort of hamstrung for, like, a while until they can make sure the warlord ambition gets declared, which I know we haven't gotten into ambitions yet, but, like, there can be many 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 turns that happen before those people get their stuff back
1: yeah you know that horrible uh volwraith cabal strategy where you just (laughs) hold somebody's dreadnoughts ransom Uh connor uh you can just kind of do everybody that has game. that ability kind of all like kind of built into yeah. this game now hopefully they are taking these pieces so that they can score a warlord off right. of them but like matt said that is not guaranteed to come up yep. and it might not even be their fault that yeah. it doesn't there are times <laughs> where i'm ransoming someone i'm like i'm sorry yeah i can't return these to right. you and yeah. they're like dude i'm out of pieces i'm doomed and it's just like i'm i i wanted to set warlord yeah. i'm like winning yeah. warlord and i'm like i want that power yeah but so and so has already set the ambitions Man. for this
0: if i remember i'm not gonna put this uh fully down but i if i remember right that's one of the beautiful things about campaign mm-hmm. is that that's when bartering becomes much more of a thing i don't want to overstep though and say no, that you no. get to barter trophies and uh and captives i don't i don't fully remember but there are other ways to barter things around these systems
1: oh no i don't in base game i don't think you not can. base game oh. no you
0: definitely can't base game. i'm saying in the in campaign, campaign okay uh there there are things that can be bartered and i okay. don't remember if trophies or uh captives are on the list but i'm just saying there's this there's, there's also trade
1: in the wings yeah is what you're saying <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like if you're like oh is there, there's <laughs> not <standby>. enough trade <laughs> happening well it's like if, if the piracy won't satiate you we have trade waiting for you if you're willing to stick it out if you're willing to hang out with base game arcs for a couple classes then we have trade waiting over here yeah sorry i did just i had to double check and
0: absolutely transfer asset is a negotiation give one captive trophy or favor to other people so so like we were just saying it's it's absolutely i can't express to you how much this game uh, expands uh with the expansion it is it is multitudes of a bigger game, and I just want to tease that for you, that that's why we're very excited for for the campaign mm-hmm. side of this the, the equation.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, we won't talk about it anymore, but we <laughs> just want to let you know that there's other stuff that we're... Well, whatever we're talking about that you like, there's like five things that you'll like more that we won't talk about yet, basically. So, that's where we're at. Yep. yep but yep. listen... Let, that's all the battle stuff yes no more battle talk yep, 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 now yep, we're yep. just going to talk about movement right and you'd think movement would be boring uh-huh. except that it's really not it's super and wild It is something you really have to keep your eye on <laughs> and it is gonna be like you know how like you play twilight imperium and you're like, oh, this is chill. No one can move through each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. And then there's like that first game where someone researches Lightwave. Mm-hmm. And then you start realizing like, oh, actually Lightwave is like pretty common. And then you start realizing like that you have to like kind of switch your brain yeah. in yeah. the late game. Arcs is kind of like that from the jump. Does a little bit of that. Yeah. So,
0: so to speak basically about move, uh, you move any number of loyal ships from one system to an adjacent system yeah so you can move a bunch of ships but the move is to go from one place to another that's very similar to Movement 1 in this regard Movement this, this one. is no this gravity drive right um but you you uh can very quickly and easily alter this uh i would note here though just to talk about the map a little bit these adjacent systems it's it's notable that there are six sectors on the map in base game you'll only ever be playing with about four at a time um i think even less if you go down to two player um but you have a gate which is a planetless system that Mm -hmm. is sort of the entry point to all of the it's like little branching paths that each of them go down and so each gate gives you access to three systems yes so when you're talking about a Move, you're probably going from a planet to a planet, or you're going from a planet to the gate, or the gate to the planet. There are two systems on the board where you can actually avoid going through the gates to get access to the planets in the other sector. There's like a little bridge essentially to get between them. But for the most part, the moves are actually very restrictive. If you want to get to a new sector, you have to go through the gates. And so then the gates become very important areas of control, even though they don't net you anything, right? This is right. not where the planets are where I can tax them, but they're the uh, the space control. And guess what? They get triply more important because we have to talk about catapult move. So... Uh, Hunter earlier referenced, there's another building we've barely talked about. Yes. There's these beautiful the little star things port. called starports. And it's easy. That's where you build the ships from, right? They build right? ships. That's simple. Ah, oh, that's Except it. also, <laughs> they're the craziest thing. If, uh, if you are starting your move from the system that you have the starport in, mm-hmm. those ships can go into the gate ring. We'll call it. The, there's the the six gates are all adjacent to each other in a in a sequential circle, one through six, and then it repeats. It goes back around. The six is connected to the one. You can go around that little gate circle as many times as you want <laughs> <laughs> in the catapult move, as long as nobody else rules in the gate you're trying to get through. Right. If no, and and that again, that's that's ruling. If people are tied nobody rules and it's free you just get to keep on moving yeah it's free real estate and you can then go from that gate to a planet system so you this is the only way you go from planet on like planet in gate section four over to section one right into the planet it's it's like doing you know five moves in a single pip Uh, And and this is critical to the strategy of arcs, is getting some semblance of control of the gates that gives you access to a major move. This is on the same card as battle, as opposed to our tax and secure situation. Nope, I can do a move and do a battle. If I have three pips or whatever, I can move ships from here, move one more from over here and do a huge battle or do the big move and do two battles to just absolutely decimate your stuff. The best thing you do in arcs is do a huge move, do a battle. That first battle is like six skirmish dice absolutely no risk i just do a bunch of damage right and then the second one's like all right now how much actual risk do i need to take let's mm-hmm. now add in those assault dice or whatever
1: i just want to add to and this is like it's maybe not clear why this would be useful on a catapult move you can drop off ships as oh, yeah. you go i didn't even say that yeah yeah it's so insane. which is like Again, maybe that doesn't, maybe that doesn't really make sense as far as why would you want to do that? But, well, I mean, you probably get it with the idea of like rule yep. and you can get a lot done off a single catapult move.
0: You could open point. up a path that didn't exist. Like I can do one catapult move to do this little slug trail of dropping these things and each ship is suddenly giving me control or negating someone else's control on that system. Right. And then I follow that move up with the actual catapult move of all the stuff getting from planet to planet to and do the huge invasion or the huge raid or whatever it might be.
1: Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you basically, you take your, your group of ships in the, in the system with the starport, and then they can just kind of go until they hit a wall.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Some, some sort of wall. Uh, it's a huge aspect of the game. I would say it gets a lot more complicated in campaign because something we haven't talked about and won't for a long time is the campaign has a third party faction that exists. There's just the Empire, mm-hmm. uh, and they can block move and actually do quite a lot of movement blocking. Mm-hmm. If you're not a part of the Empire, but if you are part of the Empire, you just kind of have access to everything they have access to. Mm-hmm. And actually, catapult moving is like the easiest thing in the world, and it's kind of like the whole reason people stay in the Empire. And anyways, <clears throat> I could,
1: but there is no Empire there's, there's in base no empire game. Mark, in base so, games, so, so we're not talking about. We will not get to that for <laughs> several months, Matthew. <laughs> The goal right now is to teach them uh, their ABCs. I just, okay They need
0: to know. They need to know how deep this goes. Uh, okay, the last action on the aggression card is We've the, gotten through two cards. We've gotten through two cards. Well, the, it's gonna it's get yeah, go so right. much we're, faster we're here done. pretty soon. We're almost done. Uh the secure action is the other half of our tax, right? Or not uh, our tax, influence. excuse me, our influence. Uh we've been putting these agents on these court cards. Secure is take one card from the court if you have more loyal agents on that card than each rival again it's more it's not equal to uh so what often the way you so often get trapped in these little influence fights is you each just keep tying each other and i'm just telling you even that is not worth it it's just not worth that much of an investment of too many agents on one card you return all loyal agents to your supply and you capture all rival agents from the secured card so again this is the big way you can boost yourself for the tyrant ambition i would note here that tyrant ambition i think is the one i see declared the least Um, especially i think right away players learn how to kind of avoid Offering up too many captives in the court deck Mm -hmm. thing. I think I think one of the first lessons you learn is the one I keep harping on of like don't get into this locked war with somebody. It won't be worth it in the end and you'll just give somebody way too many things for tyrant and then they'll just easily score it later. You can keep the tyrant numbers really low generally speaking.
1: But I also find that that tyrant is one of the ones that I'm most likely to be able to plot a way to declare the ambition Mm -hmm. as I am also. Also securing and taking yeah. or taxing or whatever right. like so that i can sort of say here's the tyrant ambition and in that same action i am uh i'm i'm set up yep. for it yep. so you're gonna have to catch up to my lead or whatever Absolutely. so i mean it is it it's a pretty sneaky one um and yeah i mean the the captives are important but also like the court deck yep. is where a lot of really good abilities lie right. that help with all of the available ambitions basically
0: yeah they they all again have a suit that directly contributes to tycoon keeper and empath which we haven't gotten into yet but just to to lead off with it like they they contribute i mean what we're saying is secure actually contributes to four of the five ambitions yes
1: (laughs) technically speaking and honestly the fifth one it does contribute (laughs) to indirectly right right Yeah.
0: yeah and and i mean that's true vice versa right battling Usually I'm using it to take other people's cards to get the stuff. Uh, I had a game where someone was investing really heavily in their ships and using battles for stuff. And I was like, wow. Actually, battle actions are the only thing you need in this whole game. And you can just win ambitions every single chapter by only ever doing aggression. Like you absolutely could just win the game that way because you let everybody else do their little influences and their little secures. And then you just go take what's yours. Right. <laughs> whenever you want. If you've got enough ships to do it and other people haven't planned for you, you you can just take.
1: Um, you can so- also, though the, the vice, ver- vice versa is also true. I've won games off of like... All right, well, uh, I kind of lost a lot of my ships and cities and we're just barely hanging on (laughs) Uh but I do have these friends and as long as we keep them, I'm going to be all right. Yeah, I've definitely been like on the run as far as this game is concerned before.
0: Um, So, that wraps up the aggression card. Uh, The aggression card is super notable though for having two actions on it that are unique to it, both battle and... And secure yeah. are only on the aggression card, yep, which yep, is yep. why this is such a critically valuable card. Also, important to note that aggression cards across the board have like one less pip than all of their counterparts mm-hmm. of their other suits. So, aggression cards are really limited in the action economy, and two of the critical payoff actions are in it Mm -hmm. so your aggression cards i think generally speaking when you get your six cards in your hand at the start of a chapter you're like how many aggression cards do i have and what can i do with that right uh and if i don't have very many that's the plan like the plan is like okay we don't have aggression to go off of so we have to come up with a new way to make this round work if i do have aggression how do i lean into having that pay off in all of the best ways possible
1: yeah it's always about leaning into whatever hand situation you are at. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. We Next have cards. Yeah. We have two cards left, but we actually only have one action left
0: to talk about. Yeah. We're, everything basically else, done. we're basically done. Uh, and especially since construction, uh, the action we'll talk about is build is very, very simple. You may build a building or you can build a ship. Uh, there are plenty of little uh, finicky things to this for a building. Uh, you have to. Uh, be in a system with a loyal piece so you can place one starport or city in an empty building slot in a system with a loyal piece what's fun about this is that means you don't have to uh, control there but what you build if you don't control there comes out damaged Uh, Mm -hmm. And the same is true of once you have starports down, you can just build ships out of your storeports, out of your loyal starports. But if somebody else controls that system, those ships come out damaged. Right.
1: Yeah. So you can you can build sort of under fire, but it's not going to be fresh Mm -hmm. stuff, which is, you know, it's bad. It's bad to build damaged things but i think the intention here is for if you have multiple pips the second action on bill or on construction i'll go ahead and reveal yeah. is repair right so there you go yeah. that's kind of how you yeah. could make you could build that.
0: that thing you're it's it's three to two mm-hmm. you build but that's not fresh right it comes out damaged you immediately repair it now we're tied my third pip Is another build in my second starport in there and that one comes out undamaged right it comes out fresh because now I'm tied nobody controls we're good to go right Uh, very very easy to do that Um, I think build is uh, critically important in that first chapter basically chapter one is construction town Mm -hmm. is when everybody would love to have all the construction cards or everybody just wants the construction cards getting played because we all would like to amass our stuff i would even say if people are playing the construction cards and you're ignoring it that means you're falling behind in ships and That's not an impossible thing to deal with, but you need to know that that's what's happening is that you're falling behind in the ships. Well,
1: also building cities is really important because building everything. Yeah. Again, your inventory slots correspond to how many cities you build. Yeah. So as you build cities, you get more slots to place resources, and resources is your way to score points and to get around the kind of locked action economy and get into the cool guy zone we'll you yeah. call it and we'll talk about it more later but
0: there's also additional uh at the very very end of your city track there's even more points oh, yeah, on the they, line there's, for if you if you build all it the really cities ramps you get some bonuses yeah. some
1: straight up <laughs> plus two bonuses yep. so construction
0: uh its unique ability is just build it's the only place build is located but repair is kind of the fallback there mm-hmm. sometimes you get into a situation where construction cards are completely dead in your hand yes you don't control anywhere uh, or you you don't sorry i, I should say you don't exist anywhere where there are empty slots by about the mid game a lot of the planet slots might just already be taken over and you have nowhere to build and you have all fresh stuff so you have nothing to repair so sometimes you're looking at your hand you go you know what construction that's a bunch of copies of whatever else I might need to right. do based off the lead card. Those, those are your first cards to copy with, generally speaking, uh, in, in like the mid to late game, I would say. Um, and our last card is Mobilization, which has nothing unique to it. Mm-hmm. You can either move or influence. There and that's all you do with it. So move is all, or a mobilization is also a card that is like it's good, but it's not quote unquote important right? right it is not it's not unleashing something you don't have access to elsewhere ever yeah. um so mobilization is also kind of a card that sometimes gets worked into a pivot or some other plan maybe that's what you secure or uh, you seize initiative with it's just like well we'll just burn the mobilization so that i can get the card or i can get the lead card for next thing to to do a better action
1: right but just to go back to to move real quick having a lot of movement can be buck wild if you have a lot of ships on the board yeah so you can get a lot of weird even blocking people stuff done with just movement
0: and we're not getting into resources but i I just downplayed mobilization and i can hear the big arcs fans uh sort of like losing sleep over me doing that because the the problem is as you were just noting mobilization has a lot more pips one of our resources is the weapons resource Mm -hmm. that uh, it doesn't add actions it turns all of our pips into uh battle actions i'm mm-hmm. allow. it adds battle to a card right so guess what mobilization is super great for yeah <laughs> actually a bunch for of moves fighting. and battles yeah it is a great backup aggression card if you have access to weapons
1: right and that's i mean that's what's so interesting too about the action economy of this game is that we've got this kind of locked in trick-taking yep. thing where we're like okay we're we're kind of just playing our hands as we get them. And then we have this whole like way to sort of get outside of that system. Yep. But the key thing is even that system is asymmetrical. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> you can climb out of the trick-taking game, but not evenly. <laughs> you, you're climbing out in an awkward angle. And with here. some
0: really intense
1: limits to it as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it it is like it is a game about. Uh, looking at your current situation and saying, okay, what can we do right now? It's about short-term planning, yep. which is why when we get to campaign, mm-hmm. at, because campaign really brings the long-term, yeah. the long view of the game. Right. Um, this is going to be really about, like when you're just playing base game arcs, it's really about, I think, being in the moment yeah. and looking at your current situation, evaluating what is sort of my best case scenario given these options right
0: yeah i can't emphasize enough how scrappy base game is compared to campaign yeah (laughs) there's so many other contingencies for campaign but base game is just like well let's start punching each other come on let's let's do this yeah (laughs) uh so let's take a quick break and then we will actually get into these ambitions we keep referencing yummy Welcome back, and uh, I love that we've been we've been doing this whole episode for, like, over an hour. We had a whole previous episode, and we've, like, barely talked about the way you score points in this board game. Oh, we're getting to it.
1: <laughs> oh, it's after about a two-hour, two, two three-hour discussion. Now we're going to talk, it welcome to Space Cats, Peace Turtles. After about two, three hours of prep, we're going to let you know how them points how work. How you can maybe win the game. Now we're ready to start talking about, talking about
0: how to win the game. So, ambitions, ambitions are our objectives in the game Mm -hmm. and at the start of every chapter there are none we have no ambitions
1: no points available. no points available They're just none at all
0: <laughs> and the cards, sometimes
1: you play with people they don't even set ambitions yeah. and then you're just i don't know what you'll just never do I nothing play, i've been like yeah. oh what's going on here yeah. and there's just no points available yeah. <laughs> no way to get those
0: <laughs> sometimes your table is so scared of the entanglement popping off that you all agree like hey if we just don't do any points we just like don't have to deal with this problem yet and we'll just do it next chapter and you're
1: uh-huh. all like oh okay they, no, let's do that let's like not I I will say Cold every War single this. time that's come up i've looked around and been like w- what are <laughs> what's y'all addicted deal? to the points like,
0: hunter wants the points
1: <laughs> it's it is the board game equivalent of that portlandia sketch where everybody <laughs> pulls up at a stop a four-way stop at the same time and nobody no, wants you go. to go no you go no no go, no 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 you go you go you go uh,
0: so ambitions though also are complicated to declare. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so declaring an ambition is to set it forth as now the ambition we are attempting to do. Mm-hmm. And as the game goes on, it ramps up and how many points it's worth. I don't have to like belabor you with how that works, but uh, the way you actually decide which ambition to do is dictated by the card you play uh-huh. when you are the lead card. And we've already described this action economy as relatively tight. Very often you're like, I'm just trying to make this hand work. So what is very rarely your priority is also burning one of those cards just to set the ambition if it's actions don't also perfectly like synergize with what you're trying to do that chapter. So sometimes it's like, and, and these are just hard locks to actually the number value of the card. So like every six, is an empath every five is a keeper uh, a declaration Uh, And this is what makes the four player game actually kind of unique and fun is uh, it introduces a one and a seven to each suit. And the seven specifically is the only way you can declare any ambition actually, Uh, but you, it comes at a great cost, which is you barely do anything when you do that. (laughs) It's not worth very many pips as a lead card. So that involves you also being first to go. You have had to have either seized or surpassed or some way gained the initiative to then play the card you want to declare the ambition for. Yeah. And honestly this is why so often like you would think you might want to declare ambitions early but honestly what all this does is everybody knows what we're doing now Mm -hmm. and someone's just gonna be better at it right (laughs) uh i mean uh, to go back to the example earlier i played a game where someone just went really hard on building lots of ships and i was like well i'm gonna get really stupid and do way too much stuff in the court deck with somebody else and we spent all these actions and then we looked back at the board and it was like oh our opponent has like Almost twice as many ships as we do. Yep. Uh, and yep. so then they just took the card we were battling or we, we were courting over and they just battled it from us and uh, they just got to uh, like they just ran over us the rest of the game because they just had more ships to always do whatever they wanted to do. So whatever we set the ambition to they could just pivot to doing whatever that required because they right. had more stuff on the board than everybody else. Um, but. Uh, There are up to three ambitions that can get declared, and as you go, they actually decrease in value. So the third one you declare is always less uh, than the first. So the other reason you kind of want to get the jump on them is you want the one you actually want to do to be worth the most amount of points, technically speaking. It
1: it has this really funny, like, first one's last Mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. deal where it's like, I mean yeah you do you want to declare an ambition first but we just sort of described like once the ambition is declared everybody knows what to do yeah so you would ideally declare an ambition that you know you can win right and it's early yeah. but that doesn't really it's not, exist. doesn't exist that's not the- really yeah. a board state
0: <laughs> well and if anything too it's why you shouldn't do the standoffs we were just talking about because all you're doing is giving someone the power of like well i'm the last to go i get to declare the only ambition on the card
1: i lead with yep. mm-hmm. and nobody
0: else has cards left in their hand i just get to do the thing and make it work and score six points yep. or whatever it's worth.
1: It is a weird risk-reward system yeah. where you're never quite sure exactly what is the perfect play. Yep. That's the thing about arcs, is there's not like a lot of like perfect play. It's right. kind of just like, what's the best thing I can do right now? Right. Is kind of the mindset right. I always get into. Is like, like I'll I I'll say it like this: like in Twilight Imperium, there's a lot of randomness Mm -hmm. there's a lot of we're going to roll dice for a long time and we're going to find out what happens and yes it's thrilling Mm -hmm. but inherently at the end of the day and i'm not trying to spoil it we are just watching people roll dice like a lot of the time what we are excited about is just literally (laughs) a random outcome yeah yeah and we'll even say like that was good strategy that (laughs) random outcome yeah arcs i feel like is sort of taking that aspect and saying instead of there just being a lot of random numbers Mm -hmm. what if it's kind of just cowboy poker right where you're kind of saying like all right i feel like Mm -hmm. i might be able to do this yeah i don't know and i will (laughs) never know but i just kind of got a feeling and i'm gonna play off of that
0: here's what i would say the pushback i see online of people who are curious about arcs is they see this trick-taking element, they see these cards, and they see it as, I have no control over what actions I get to take in the game. That Mm -hmm. feels like a lot of randomness. It seems like the whole game is based off of a massive metric of randomness. And my counter to that would be is, that's almost the only randomness in the game. (laughs) Like, everything else is insular economies that we can take from each other with mm-hmm. like there's a randomness to like which court cards come up first sure but that's not an imbalance to anybody in particular the randomness is what cards you get in your hand and like when you roll dice but you can mitigate some of the risk of your dice rolls as well by just like doing the safe skirmishes or whatever it right. might be you, you you can have some uh you can mitigate the risk to that but so much of the game doesn't feel like random chance it feels like absolute chaos like it's it is still a very hard to, to take hold of the game mm-hmm. but it's not because just like people are getting dealt things you can't deal with at all it's right. because it's just really hard to grapple things switching hands so often and and all of that it's very similar to oath in that regard where like between one of your actions and the next time it's your turn so many things can have taken place right <laughs> in that amount of time right
1: yeah that's true I feel like it's sort of like, it's saying to the player, here is what you do know about. Yeah. And it wasn't, it's not like we're going to just let you do whatever you want, but here's like the flavor Uh of what you're getting dealt. Now, what you don't know is the flavor of what everybody else is getting Uh dealt. And so you have to make all of your strategic choices kind of based off that. But you have a lot of face up information in front of you. And also... It feels like you have a lot of say in your own possible downfall. You know what I mean? Like, it's like with the dice. They're in, they're saying like, here, you can build the pool uh-huh. however you like yeah. and then find out what happens to you, <laughs> you, you know? But you you, you got to choice. you got the choice of every individual die. Right. That's a lot of like players getting to decide for themselves mm-hmm. how this is going to play out. I am deciding what ambitions to set yep. before I have really perfect information on whether I'm going to be the winner or not. Right. Now, a lot of times, like, you're going to set an ambition that you got a good feeling on. Yeah. But it it's not it's not 100% of the time you are just going to know that you are definitely going to be yeah. the winner. It's just yeah. hard to know that.
0: I need to get, I I, I don't have it ready yet, but I'm probably going to get it up relatively soon, especially because this episode is coming out. Uh, But it just comes down to the time I have right now, but Mm -hmm. I want to get my second ARCs tournament game uploaded because it is just such a, a beautiful example of someone who has the strategy of this game figured out and some players that aren't on the same level mm-hmm. <laughs> Me, me and uh i think there were four of us if i remember right maybe there were only three it's been a while since i played that game but we played against one person who i'm i'm not kidding just the whole game was about how do we deal with so mm-hmm. and so and 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 to to see them have such a solid grasp on what works in this game yeah and how to go about accomplishing ambitions i mean it, it's it's beautiful even if it's like a bad game from the like is everybody really well entangled? No, we weren't. We were constantly trying to hold on to a train that was like rampaging out of control. Uh, Let's actually talk about these ambitions, though, finally. Uh, We've talked about like the structure of them, but what are we actually trying to do? A lot of them are very, very easy. Tycoon is the first ambition, and it's technically the easiest to claim because Tycoon is an ambition you can declare with any card uh, that is a two. Uh, And the twos always have the most pips. Yeah. They're kind of the best thing to lead with because when you're leading, you're trying to do something with a lot of pips because it's your only opportunity to do all of the pips Mm -hmm. on that card. Uh, Also, Tycoon applies to two different resources. So to win Tycoon, you have to have the most total fuel and material icons from resources or guild cards that's actually a high level of variance. Yeah. You can swing hard into fuel and have like one material and still win the thing, but you can focus on like multiple things at once. And like I said, it's also just the one everybody probably is playing the two and they kind of go. Yeah. Okay. I'll declare, I'll declare tycoon. I think that right. that could work out for me. It's definitely not one where you can look at the whole chapter and know who's gonna win it whereas some of the later ones you can look at the beginning of the chapter and be like i don't know how we're ever supposed to stop so and so from when beating us on empath
1: oh yeah yeah once you're on like the third chapter depending on how the court deck has shaken yeah. out it might be very obvious like who is at what ambition right but at the beginning of the first hand is yeah. kind of what a-, a lot i was talking about before but yeah tycoon is interesting because uh each resource is limited to just five versus six five it's five so that's the total amount of in the universe that's how much there is of that um so most of the other uh uh, ambitions that relate to resources you're just hard limited to five but because tycoon relates to both fuel and material we're talking about a pool of ten yeah and then the court deck also adds to that pool even more so the amount of variance we Mm -hmm. have here is it's kind of a lot it's the swingiest i would say of the uh of the resource uh based it's where
0: you see the most plays of just like people raiding and attacking and going for broke against each other for like the whole last Two or three (laughs) turns of a Mm -hmm. whole chapter because it's really in anybody's ballpark to to be able to accomplish. Uh, The next one is Tyrant. We've talked quite a bit about. This one's pretty locked in. Tyrant is to have the most captives on your player board in your captive box. You only gained captives in two ways by taxing rival cities and you got one at a time. It's very slow little trickle Mm -hmm. of captives and uh, from beating people at court cards, which can also be quite slow because if people right. aren't competing for court cards, you're never going to get any from there. It's only when you have some big spike that I've been constantly encouraging you not to do right. and anybody like really runs away with tyrant. So tyrant is one that's uh, really hard to even decide to declare as an ambition because it's super unpredictable, I would say, because mm-hmm. it's just hard to even acquire the goods that you're trying to get for it.
1: Yeah, I would say unless... There is some sort of auction going with one particular court deck card, which the court deck does like try to encourage. Yeah, for sure. Like, I realized, like, Matt, you're kind of baking in. Yeah. A strategy into yeah. this explanation but from the way that the board game sits the court deck will pop something yeah. out there and you'll be like oh I do want that I and then some another player that. is gonna say I do want <laughs> yeah, that too absolutely and then a bidding war starts yeah. and then after the bidding war we've suddenly got a tyrant yes. in our midst right
0: right um, tyrant is notable um, alongside one of the other ambitions of the stuff in that box it stays in that box until tyrant, tyrant is, scored. is scored. Right. So uh tycoon, you gotta have the most fuel on material. We count it up, you score it. Great, we move on with our lives. Yeah. Tyrant, we count it up, you win. Everybody returns all captives, even people that lost everybody. All of the tyrants return to their supplies, Mm -hmm. and it's this mass exodus of people getting a bunch of their agents back. Agents aren't something you run like wildly low on, so it's not that big of a deal, but it's notable that you're not getting any of these things back until Tyrant is scored. Right. Uh, The next one, though, is Warlord, and that's the much bigger deal we were talking about earlier with battling because it's have the most trophies on your player board yes. and trophies is anything you've killed in battle Yep, trophies can include rival ships it'll include their cities and star ports that you've destroyed and in certain circumstances it will also include agents there are weird little ways agents can end up in your trophy box as opposed to the captive box right uh so you can have a huge war chest especially if warlord goes a number of rounds without being declared right but the big notable thing is the second someone does declare it everyone knows they're getting all of their stuff back
1: right it is a weird back and forth you have with tyrant warlord because you can set up to score those in the hand that am- the ambition is not Right. playing yeah you're playing but, it all game
0: you, everyone's playing warlord and tyrant all game of course, long of course until the moment it's finally scorable
1: but again anytime you do anything in arcs everyone can see it yep. there's no hidden information so if you do have a warlord that is taking a lead but you do not cash in on that hand yep. you are basically saying until the end yep. of the next hand i am hoping to hold this lead right and that is not guaranteed no, that you will do that. Definitely not. Or you can
0: flip that same logic on its head and say: the second someone has a big lead on Warlord, well, nobody else is ever going to declare Warlord. Oh, so exactly. you better hope your hand gives you a card that lets you oh, declare Warlord. Oh yeah, you might Warlord. not get a four. You yeah. might not get a four, and. And you need to have that for when you're the lead card. And it's got to be something you want to do when you have the lead card. And you're the only person who can declare Warlord. So it can get very tricky. You can get tied up in Warlord. You, You can have games where someone went hard on warlord and guess what that will never be worth points ever actually for all game we'll just never none of us will declare it and you can't make time for it so it just never happens you've you've taken that one out of play that might be part of the strategy is to just like i have this on lockstep and i'll just keep any of you from doing it because guess what else it's doing i'm hoarding your plastic from you i still probably have or would from you i have the advantage over you if i just keep your stuff lower than mine and you never declare this mm-hmm. so sometimes you get into a situation where nobody wants to declare it but they go if this goes another chapter i don't have units left mm-hmm. <laughs> so we need to declare the third ambition it needs to be worth three points as opposed to six right. or whatever right but the mitigate, third will finally power. let warlord get declared for minimal points so that the person who's been hoarding all of our stuff has to release it to us and we can rebuild for the final chapter right
1: yep yeah, so that's Warlord, that's Tyrant. They're fun. <laughs> they're, they, they're they're very interesting. Um, the last two are of of a pair, yes. I would say, and they are more related to Tycoon than yep. they are to this. But I do feel like I kind of love the flavor of mm-hmm. these last two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Keeper, which is to have the most relic resources. Yep. Um, relics can, just like all the other resources, it could be uh, the literal resource token that you have taxed from a planet, mm-hmm. or it could be from court cards. Right um and we don't want to get too in the weeds as far as talking about these guys Uh relics though i will go ahead and say are your way of getting around the secure action it is a way for you to sneak the court cards out earlier than people would expect yeah um and it kind of what i love about that is it actually sort of helps you then if you're going after relic court cards you're also kind of reinforcing your own system here which is good um it's always good to like kind of specialize a little bit yeah having a good relic
0: economy is is quite an engine when you see it like actually pop off Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you can do a whole lot with it um the other thing i would say about like basically both of these is these two are the resources that are much more limited in their planet count on the map. And in fact, in base game, you get a setup card and we we take two sectors out of contention. They're just not in play. There's at least one of those setup cards in each player count that takes out like a majority (laughs) of the Relic and Empath or uh, Psionic planets. So you have some games where there is one relic planet on oh, the good, board good Lord. and suddenly we are battling over this one territory and like the whole game becomes defined by that or becomes defined by every relic court card that comes out you need to hold on to with your last breath it's mm-hmm. the most important because that's like all of the the wealth that you can have to score those points uh, these two can be so limited whereas there's all kinds of material and fuel and even sure. weapons planets across the it's map out. they're, out, they're there. out there but these two can get Really hard limited uh in the base game. In in campaign, you never you play with all six sectors all the time. Right. But in in our uh in our base game, we lock out sectors and and you can run into really weird issues uh with these two. So the second one is empath to have the most psionic icons from resources or guild cards. Um and the only other distinction I would make here is empath, uh the psionic token is kind of the most versatile technically mm-hmm. of all of the tokens because what it does is it lets you add a pip of whatever the lead card is. Yeah. In this particular hand. So, especially good when it's mm, aggression. You mm-hmm. gain a bonus aggression thing, but it's kind of always good cuz it's an extra tax or it's an extra right. whatever the thing may be. It's a bonus full-on action of whatever you're doing. A good empath economy is like critical to always having a way to deal with a bad hand because a bad hand mostly means well i'm going to be copying and pivoting a lot right i'm just, just going to be doing a single action every yes. time i act yes but if i can like always refresh my my psionic power i'm i've always got two
1: actions yep. at my yes. disposal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at a certain point in the game that makes a big difference That's everything <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah those are the ambitions mm. um each of the ambition tokens there are three um, ha- have a first place and second place yep. marker yep. so you're not it's not all or nothing right it's not winner take all I guess I should say um and yeah second place would get the lower number first place gets a higher number on a tie mm-hmm. both players get the lower number in yeah, the tie for first place for first place yep. in a tie for second place neither player gets anything yep. which is hilarious right um and mean <laughs> um also we alluded to earlier, um a bonus for getting all of your cities out yep. this where this would kick in when you win an ambition but if you have all your cities out you get bonus power That's on right. top of winning the ambition you still have to win an ambition right you gotta but, get first place in it mm-hmm. but getting that
0: bonus power is ooh boy well because it can really i mean it can be the defining factor there, there's i don't know if it has a like a perfect term yet but there's absolutely a strategy where in like a pivotal chapter, you just dump all your mm-hmm. cities on the board. Who
1: cares where they go? Just get them g- all. Yeah, out you there. don't have time to burn so them half all up. Some of them are damaged. Yeah. It's like who cares? Uh
0: the way it works is uh there's, these, uh there's these your your last two slots is plus two uh to a first place ambition, and the second one is plus three, but that plus three is additive, so it's actually a plus five. Right. But you get both out. You always work your uh city slots. Yeah, you from, start at the left, left and right. then you move your way. So up. you can get up to plus five. Her ambition that you get first place in mm-hmm. so if you somehow can get in a situation that you are winning first place in multiple ambitions which the table should not let happen but right. absolutely can especially mm-hmm. with a good final like two plays of the chapter if you just yeah. had like the perfect cards you can lock yourself into two or three extra ambitions and that's 10 to 15 bonus points you only play to about 30 depending on your player count it's between 27 and 33 you can win half the points you need to win everybody is the woodland alliance in arcs everybody has the potential to be the woodland alliance you could you could
1: always say and this is another thing to good good to bring up at this point the ambitions flip one at a time as we play to their second side so so each at the end of each hand we're going to flip one of the ambitions to the second side of that ambition and on the second side it's worth more power right so as we play each chapter there's more points available right so it is it absolutely makes sense to say, I don't care about the first hand. I'm just all set up on the first hand. And I'm really not gonna explode out until maybe that third hand, especially if I can get 15 extra points for just blitzing one section of the game very, very well. So again, everything in arcs kind of has this like back and forth like Mm -hmm. that. It's, you could go fast And maybe sneak the points out before anybody can do anything about it. Or you could go slow, but what if it's too slow and somebody else has blitzed you? There's no Asarl in this game that just stalls and does it all better than everybody else. It's everybody
0: is always there. Everybody's always kind of in it.
1: You're bringing up the key aspect (laughs) to me, which is that I've been kind of saving this point. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of spoil it here at the end of this episode. In a way, I do feel... and. Cole doesn't know what I'm talking about. I don't think Cole is in it deep enough to understand what this means. But a lot of why I have enjoyed playing arcs has been that it feels like Twilight Imperium without stalling. Yeah. There is. Yep. There are sometimes where you have actions that aren't so great. That's right. not the same thing. Right. It's not. It is in Twilight Imperium. It is sometimes advantageous to do nothing. Yep. And you'll be like. I'm actually being really smart Uh doing nothing. And I thematically hate it. I have no idea what that means as far as the story of the game or whatever. It just seems like silly weirdness in arcs. If you're not doing much, you're losing. Yeah. (laughs) Like that is, that's a big L right there. That's a sign that things are going the wrong way and you are in fact not winning the game.
0: Yeah, I would say it this way too. It's arcs is TI without stalling, like you said, and without speaker order. Yes, right. It kind (laughs) of We remove
1: the two weirdest, (laughs) dumbest parts of TI and just sort of- It has its version of speaker order, sure, but instead of it being this locked, slow mechanic that is highly exploitable, it is more like, eh, duck, duck, goose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you now. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe you didn't want to. They're like, uh oh, it's me. Yeah. I don't want to be I wasn't speaker ready right for now. This. And he's like, well, yeah. too bad. That's yeah. you now.
0: Wildly dynamic. Uh, the other thing I would say too, to again relay back to campaign, because I really want people to care about campaign. And They in our will. Audience, Matt. I know.
1: They will. I know. But let me let me give you the I want teasers. Them, I, here's what I want. We want different things here. You're wanting to make sure that everybody's teased out about campaign. Yeah, and I want that too. But I also want them to go down a healthy journey. Of course. Into the rabbit hole of this game. I agree. I am, I am Hansel and Gretling these kids. <laughs> is what i'm trying to do. And you're wanting you're wanting you're trying to open the witch's uh-huh, house door and be uh-huh. like there's treasures inside. And yeah. I'm like just a little piece of candy. What about that? Little piece of candy I'm on the forest. I'm the big bad floor. wolf blowing their house down and you're the witch in the woods. I am a witch and i am going to get them out. I'm just trying to come on out to the forest. Yeah. Give it a shot. Give it give it a little go. You can just do base arcs. Just it'll just take 2 hours it's, of your time. It's just easy. You can just get in there. And then maybe later we can talk about freaky time. We can talk about 12 hours. of camp.
0: <laughs> campaign arcs in one <laughs> session uh the thing i wanted to say though because you, you brought up how sometimes it's like is there really value in like scoring those points in the first chapter necessary, you know or should mm-hmm. you hold out and have the better position to do the big points and the thing that's fascinating to me about campaign arcs is how much that is doubled down on in yeah. campaign arcs you play three games of this game we've just sort of been explaining to you and the thing i want you to know about campaign arcs is that first session Every point you score is technically speaking worth a quarter of a point. Right. Which is nothing. Mm-hmm. It is useless. And the second session, every single one of those points you earn is half of a point, which is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so you play the first two. You know how we talk about a TI? Like it's just round five arcs still has that quality of it but the first oh the sure first the first two sessions are your rounds one through four and there's way more weird dynamic stuff going on but it's still session three is like the entirety of second half around four into round five into round six like mm, it's,
1: i want to go I, I got another way to explain <laughs> it i got another way to explain kay. it that, and this is again this is too early but first game of campaign arcs and second game of campaign arcs is both the draft <laughs> and franken yes and then game three is round five we yes. s- round one yes, round two round three that. round four we're not doing that that's out it's it's a two game draft franken yeah into round five yeah. done
0: it's true it's exactly we spend that. two
1: games deciding exactly what flavor yeah. of faction, and we need two games to decide it yep. and you will still suffer big wins and yeah. big losses and the in factions path.
0: the way the factions look it's like the ex-barony of mentak jolnar <laughs> yes yes i used to be the barony <laughs> and then for a while i tried to be the universities and that didn't work out either so today we're we've just we've chosen piracy. Yeah, i've landed on <laughs>
1: piracy for my sense of self basically yeah um super uh super stoked very to, to get to campaign
0: i want to thank our weird bears big al capuchino squeamishimu blt Brassbird, bird soul Kalu, and daryl D- uh, dandelion Dragothax, and elspeth jadeem jedi carnal alice emlischewski nick absol Rwise, and tank that is y'all i really love y'all that is so many weird bears <laughs> that yeah that's a lot of weird up. bears that's right active now. weird bears Y'all are amazing. I, Thank you so I, much. I read through this list really fast every week, and it, I just want to, uh, like, take note of that, that y'all are incredible.
1: Uh, I and, think it's because of where we're at right now. <laughs> I'm really sorry <laughs> like, for us. it really feels like, well, no, it just feels, when you're just in this no no i'm not saying that they, <laughs> it's a pity i don't think it's pity yeah. i think it's more like the reason you're feeling that sense of appreciation is because it when everything is so chaotic like this mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. it does help to kind of sit down and just take stock of like what is going yeah. right right and i would say that this project is regardless of how chaotic it feels right now and it does feel chaotic uh this project, I could not be happier yeah, like with, absolutely. This. With, yeah. with the you know the process of doing this with you and with the support that we get from the community. It yeah. is uh it is incredible. And I don't always I'll say it like this. I don't always need it, not every day. <laughs> this month I'm gonna need it every <laughs> yeah. single day. Yeah. <laughs> it is i i can't even explain to you some of the really dumb stuff i am in right now because it would be it's not appropriate it's not you don't need to know it Uh but there's stuff going on with me right now that is difficult and unbelievably stupid yeah and i am it is the type of thing where you just have a problem going on in your life and every time you think about it you're like wow that's really dumb and the only way to fix that is like by just spending a lot of time Uh doing something dumb that is also gonna hurt my soul to have to do you know what i mean
0: if you if you had to ask kind of anybody with any sort of official capacity if hunter donaldson exists or lives anywhere they wouldn't be able to give you a straight answer no i'm in between (laughs) existences
1: right now i mean every day i come to your house and i sit on your porch and like that's fine for a day but every day i'm working out of a tablet yeah, I have my, you know, my big, my big old PC rig is just sitting in a room no, alone no. and it's just kind of frowning. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, I'm looking at the calendar of all the, mm-hmm. the stuff I got to do this mm-hmm. month. And I'm just kind of like, wow, that is going to have to be scheduled in between your life. Yeah. And you right. have another job and a child. Yeah. And, and a move. And a move. The <laughs> I just, house sale mm-hmm. and do. then there's this other stuff that i'm not even going to talk about sure. right now that yeah. i got going on with me that is not good either it's nuts and so it's what all just nuts it will all be okay for sure eventually but right now it feels crazy yeah. now read me those baby thank child you big for friends. the baby
0: child big friends Craig and portmania Hercules relic stand events you can rate this podcast and say five stars these boys are doing great <laughs> yeah they seem like
1: real on the come up. And actually this time how about this i'm going to cash in on this one five stars no <laughs> comment <laughs> how about that how about five stars no comment yeah have I we ever as done many of those as possible yeah just just five do you five the type stars stuff in there no comment on this one yeah. how about that just five right absolutely give them five yeah uh
0: to to build off what you were saying though this is it, it sounds crazy right now but what we are gearing up for is like the most fun we'll have ever had with this show uh, yes we'll be both in the same place again in a place where things are worth doing mm-hmm. and uh yeah lots lots of projects in the pipeline that we're like also trying to like half plan while we're doing this stuff so many of the things we've like set aside I'm like listen let's move first yeah and then it's like go time yeah as soon as we're actually stable in Minneapolis it is absolutely go time on a lot of things and it's very 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 exciting
1: there was a agenda phase question from I forget the user I'm sorry because we didn't we didn't pick it obviously yeah and it'll be I mean it's obvious why we didn't pick it where somebody asked what happened (laughs) with that whole North American Uh in-person tournament thing that that Hunter was talking about on stream and I just want to say I, same. Yes. What, happened? <laughs> what happened to that? We're busy. <laughs> we're busy. the <leave> <laughs> uh,
0: Let's do a quick agenda face. The Lighter asks, have you played some legacy games or some big campaign games? And what is your take? Did you enjoy it? Thanks.
1: I played, a long time ago, I played Risk Legacy. Yes. And I played it to completion. I played all 15 oh, wow. games. And that was like when legacy games were... Hot, that's right hot when they were dude. first getting hot yeah um and i gotta tell you i feel like it's underrated mm-hmm. i feel like the whole idea of a legacy games kind of had a big there's a big boom yeah and i have overall liked the idea but n- maybe not so much in execution mm-hmm. i think what attracted me about oath and what i love about arcs is it feels like a tasteful way to kind of honor that idea without getting caught up in the particulars of it um the whole idea of destroying components ripping things up is maybe like it's definitely hot sauce for like (laughs) one good kind of barbecue Uh (laughs) but after a little while i kind of felt like it sort of lost its luxury with me
0: yeah it's like wasteful and not just in a like literally you're wasting the components but it's like it feels wasteful in once you've completed the thing it's done right i don't know what to tell you i have i'm looking at my copy of pandemic legacy season one that i've owned for years uh never even oh you never busted that thing out nope. i don't here's my problem is i've been in a place where i don't make time for a regular play group enough yeah and the regular play group i have access to isn't quite a those boys aren't like a play the same thing every week kind of group necessarily they like to adventure around and bounce around Mm -hmm. so if we were gonna do pandemic legacy they're more like
1: ej guys you know what i mean if we're talking about yeah but
0: it would be like we do like a session of pandemic legacy maybe like once a month or something Mm -hmm. i just think it would take too We just never pulled the trigger what actually happened in covid we tried to do it vulture virtually sure. and I didn't, it didn't I work at all no it that. never it, it was it was a harebrained scheme i was trying to have a webcam set up where i would have my physical copy of pandemic legacy <laughs> and all my friends would join me on webcams <laughs> and we would play it and i don't know what i envisioned but it was not turns out also just like latency means i just remember Sh- shelton going I can't read the card <laughs> and I was like
1: oh then we're done yeah we can pack it up <laughs> I, I want credit right now for not vetoing that idea before we sure. executed what a good friend I am that I listened to you explain that and was like and, and didn't you know what I mean I was like this is not a work thing this is just for fun uh-huh. and I just was I just let it go it
0: was COVID it was like well let him try <laughs> just let him try he gotta kill some time and, and with it something it ain't gonna hurt nothing <laughs>